When the mainstream media puts down their pom-poms and stops cheering for you, well, it's pretty obvious you fumbled and failed. Well, that's what's happened to Joe Biden, the overrated political quarterback who thought he had the skills to lead the nation. For much of his first year as president, the liberal press cheered Joe on with shouts of, let's go, you can do it. When he didn't do it, they conjured up yet another cheer over and over again. Watching Biden fail was like watching the clumsy football player who continues to trip over his own feet and fall flat on his face. Eventually, the media became deflated. They lost their enthusiasm. The cheering stopped. They could hear the cacophony of boos from the stands. And pretty soon, the media joined in. NBC's Chuck Todd opened Sunday his Meet the Press show, finally conceding the obvious. President Joe Biden is, quote, no longer seen as competent and effective. Hey, good call, Chuck. Citing Biden's miserable approval rating, Todd added that Joe is, quote, no longer seen as a good commander-in-chief, or perhaps more damaging, as easygoing and likable. A scant 5% say he's performed better than expected, which means that no sane person is buying Joe's malarkey that he has outperformed what anybody thought would happen. When he said that during his dumpster fire news conference, you could almost hear the snickering among the gathered press corps. Attorney, Fox News legal analyst, and two-time New York Times best-selling author. This is The Brief with Greg Jarrett. To all my listeners with an IRA, 401k, or other retirement savings, have you seen the headlines today? Our federal debt has now reached over $29 trillion. What our government is not saying is that the Fed is running out of ways to fight this growing debt bomb. Inflation and tax hikes may be their only way out. We all dodged a bullet when Senator Joe Manchin announced he wouldn't support the Democrats' crazy Build Back Better plan, but the Democrats may not give up that easily. That is not good news for hardworking American taxpayers. Whatever Biden and his cronies do in 2022 may mean even higher inflation. The more the dollar comes under attack, the more physical gold and silver could protect your money. So if you have $50,000 or more in your retirement savings, your money could be at risk. Learn how you can protect your life savings from Biden's tax plans with physical gold and silver. Call 855-665-0767 to receive your wealth protection kit. That's right. Call 855-665-0767. And Goldco may give you $10,000 or more in free silver when you open a qualified account. That's why GoldCo is the only company I recommend for gold and silver. GoldCo is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau and a five-time Inc. winner with countless five-star reviews. So what are you waiting for? Call 855-665-0767. That's 855-665-0767. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Brief. I'm Greg Jarrett. 
Joe Biden has always been delusional about his own abilities. People who are not bright tend to be that way, but Joe's diminished mental acuity on full display during his recent news conference only accentuates the belief that Biden is an inept failure. No amount of cheerleading can save his doomed presidency. Gallup reports that his ratings have tanked by double digits. Just 28% want him to run for re-election, according to an AP poll. Why such embarrassing numbers across the board? Because in one short year, he has managed to make a hash of everything and failed to deliver on his many promises. A Politico poll shows that half of Americans give Biden's presidency a grade of D or F. Even members of his own party give him poor marks. And 70% of independent voters graded Biden as average, below average, or failing. Joe was always a lousy student, so at least that's consistent. The president's dwindling supporters claim that his problem is messaging, not his sweeping agenda. The truth is, it's both. Anybody with a pulse knows it. His ideas are bad, and people just don't like them. Except for the radical progressives, but they are way outside the American mainstream. As for his messaging, well, it's hard to convince people of anything when you're an abysmal communicator. Use whatever metaphor you want, but Joe's rambling two-hour press conference was an epic disaster. Saturday Night Live joked that Biden needed two hours because that's how long it took to list everything that's gone wrong. The news conference, of course, was an exceedingly rare event. Abandoning his usual scripted teleprompter, Joe was hoping to paint himself as a competent leader. He accomplished just the opposite. His cognitive decline was on full display. The long pauses with his eyes closed made you wonder if he'd simply nodded off in the standing position. Trying to make sense of what he said was a constant challenge. He often lost his train of thought, jumbled his sentences and wandered from one disjointed subject to another. He was like the Dick Tracy character called Mumbles. Van Jones, the liberal CNN commentator who famously cried on air while celebrating the moment Joe won the presidency, now has a different view. He described Biden as foggy and meandering. Jones even comparing him to Ronald Reagan, who may have suffered from the early stages of Alzheimer's late in his presidency. Citing a poll where half of registered voters have doubts about Biden's mental fitness, a reporter during the news conference asked the 79-year-old president about that. He brushed the question aside by saying, I have no idea, and quickly moved on. It was actually one of his few lucid moments. When Joe Biden ran for president, he bragged incessantly about his vast experience in foreign affairs. Now, with a force of more than 125,000 Russian troops amassed at the Ukrainian border, Biden all but invited Vladimir Putin to invade. Joe seemed to be saying that a, quote, minor incursion would be perfectly okay. It sparked widespread outrage. There was an immediate cleanup on aisle three by the White House flax. They corrected Biden 
without actually admitting that he'd temporarily lost his mind. But the damage was done. After Biden's Afghanistan debacle, is it any wonder that Putin is emboldened and both Russia and China view Joe as weak and feckless? Biden's incompetence is just plain dangerous. Beijing must now be thinking, invading Taiwan's now a minor incursion? Well, maybe we should do it. China has certainly been threatening to do so, and now they've got a green light from Joe. That wasn't the only time that Biden managed to mangle things during his mind-boggling news conference. He questioned the integrity of the upcoming midterm elections by saying, I'm not going to say it's going to be legit. Press Secretary Jen Psaki had to fix it by saying that her boss absolutely is not predicting that the 2022 elections would be illegitimate. So which is it? Somebody's got to be lying or somebody's demented. Biden has only himself to blame for his chronic failures, his flagging public support. He's always been known for having a volatile temper and a short fuse, but his growing frustration has only made it shorter. During a choreographed presentation on inflation this week that lasted all of eight minutes, White House correspondents were shooed out of the room. Fox's Peter Ducey asked a perfectly legitimate question about inflation as he was heading out the door. Here was Joe Biden's response. That's a great asset. More inflation. What a stupid son of a bitch. Just days earlier, Biden had lashed out at another Fox correspondent, Jackie Heinrich, who asked him a substantive and important question about whether he might consider applying financial sanctions against Russia now over its threats against Ukraine and its troop buildup at the border. And Joe responded with the words, what a stupid question. It wasn't stupid at all, Joe. It was a solid question. In fact, since then, many on Capitol Hill and others in the media have been asking the exact same question. Those two reporters were just doing their jobs. They were asking tough questions of the commander-in-chief. And for that, Biden insulted them with profane language. Oh, but wait a minute. Didn't Joe proclaim that he would never tolerate such a thing? That's right, on the very day he took office, Biden threatened to fire anyone on his staff who did not treat colleagues and members of the press with dignity and respect. Here's a quick trip down memory lane, January 20th of last year. But I'm not joking when I say this. If you're ever working with me and I hear you treat another colleague with disrespect, talk down to someone, I promise you I will fire you on the spot on the spot. No ifs, ands, or buts. Everybody, everybody is entitled to be treated with decency and dignity. So in keeping with his vow, is Joe going to fire himself on the spot? Of course not. He probably can't remember making that promise. And in Washington, after all, promises are made to be broken. By the way, it's no excuse to say, well, Donald Trump insulted reporters all the time. No. Joe Biden promised to be different than Trump. He vowed to restore decency to the national conversation. 
But I doubt he remembers that either. Americans have turned against Joe Biden because he's failed to solve the problems that plague the country each and every day. Crime, inflation, energy prices, the pandemic, border security. His ridiculous $5 trillion socialist spending Lollapalooza cratered. His federal takeover of nationwide elections crashed and burned. His bid to dissolve the filibuster was defeated. The Supreme Court overturned his business vaccine mandate as an unconstitutional power grab. Another federal court recently rejected his federal worker mandate. You name it, Joe Biden has failed. His presidency is destitute. Scratch that. He has actually managed to accomplish one thing. As an astute commentator observed, Biden promised to unify the country, and he has, against him. Joining us now is Eric Eggers, who's vice president of the Government Accountability Institute, and he's co-host of the Drill Down podcast, also the author of Fraud, How the Left Plans to Steal the Next Election, which, by the way, was published back in August of 2018, so For many people, he's quite prescient. He's also the producer of the terrific documentary, The Creepy Line, that exposes the power of big tech over public opinion. Eric, great to have you with us. Thanks for joining us today. Greg, it's a real honor. I really appreciate it. You know, I must say it appears that there is this gradual shift taking place among many in the liberal mainstream media. You know, for the longest time, they were Joe Biden's dedicated cheerleaders, of course, during the presidential campaign, throughout most of the first year in office. And now all of a sudden we're seeing a bit of a crack. Uh, Some journalists like NBC's Chuck Todd over the weekend openly admitting on the air uh, what the polling data obviously shows that Americans no longer see Joe Biden as competent and effective. I mean, Chuck Todd literally said that. Uh, I-, I was shocked at his candor w- when he said that. How about you? Yeah, I think I wasn't necessarily surprised because I think it's important that you remember what mainstream media's business really is, and that's business. So while they may have a leftist political ideology, um, at the end of the day, when the polling numbers show, as they do quite clearly, that the vast majority of people aren't buying what the Biden administration is selling, um, however much it may behoove and and in their heart of hearts, these journalists might want to be cheering on the Biden administration. It's not good business to be saying one thing that's clearly out of step with the vast majority of the American people. So I think that shows you just how real the disconnect is between America and the Biden administration when even Chuck Todd, even NBC News is willing to say, hmm, maybe we have a little bit of a problem here. Because uh, at the end of the day, the, you know, while the words coming out of Biden's mouth might not be totally accurate, the numbers don't lie. Yeah, well, I mean, it's not just a, a, you know, a bit of a problem or a little problem. I mean, it is, you know, I mean, for Americans, it's really been catastrophic with, you know, inflation that seems to be out of control and not any sign of abatement. Uh, You know, grocery store shelves are, you know, bare. 
uh, or dwindling. Uh, there's a supply chain crisis. You got a border crisis. Um, you know, as I as I say, the crime really over this last weekend, I think, has really hit home to Americans. And you know, they do they feel like Biden is not really addressing those concerns. Well, I know that your podcast is only about 30 minutes, Greg, so it might be shorter to name the things in America that aren't a crisis right now, just to kind of <laughs> fast forward through the things. I mean, to me, you know, inflation, what does is, what is James Carville say, right? It's the economy, stupid, right? And that how, yeah. how did Bill Clinton get elected? Uh, I can think of no better example. I mean, the, the empty shelves are, of course, very real, and you have social media now where you can share and see the empty shelves all across the country. And people know when they go to the store, the things they want to buy aren't there. And so rightly or wrongly, they're going to blame the president for that, the president who says that we're not really that bad. And then actually, no, the economy is much better. I think he said that at the press conference, uh, despite, you know, they asked, like, how come these numbers look so bad? And he's like, no, 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 the, the economy is great. I think Joe Biden thinks that the cross tabs need to be investigated because the populations in those polling, I think, are underrepresentative, apparently, for like independent artists whose last name starts with B. The economy has been good for Hunter Biden. I'm not sure it's been so great for everybody else. <laughs> but but to me, I can think of no better example of like I had a, a tire that was low and I went to the gas station to put air in my tire and the air that used to cost a dollar twenty five now costs two dollars. So when air for a tire <laughs> is more expensive by over 50 percent, then I think we have a problem in this economy. And unfortunately, air is the one solution the Biden administration seems to be offering up, but nothing else really seems to be resonating. So I think, yeah, when everyday Americans say, hey, man, sometimes like I'm worried that my kids can't go to school because the COVID policy doesn't seem to be making a lot of sense in this country. And by the way, things are a lot more expensive and I'm not really making any more money and I'm constantly anxious. And you're telling me that there's something wrong with me. Then no, I think that the Biden administration's popularity is not going to be real high. Yeah. I mean, I, I think Joe Biden's hot air is contributing significantly to climate change. But, you know, that's another story. You mentioned Hunter Biden and Peter Schweitzer has a, a new book out uh, about corruption and prominently within that book. And I haven't read it yet. I'm about to get my hands on it. Um, is Hunter Biden. Uh, what can you tell us about that? Well, I think obviously, you know, Peter Schweitzer would be the, the best person to talk about this. But what I can tell you, and the book comes out. Well, he's your colleague, uh, just so the, people. Colleague, he's you know, my boss, know. technically. You know, I get his dry cleaning. No, yeah. he, uh, <laughs> no, he, no, Hunter Biden, I can say that this new book, uh, Red Handed, exposes a variety of ways in which um, American elites have made money by taking action that benefits the Chinese government often at the expense of American national interests. And I think Hunter Biden is an excellent example of that. It's It's been well known, although maybe hidden by many mainstream media sources, the extent to which Hunter Biden's been given access to business deals in China that everyday Americans wouldn't have otherwise have had ac access to worth uh, literally over a billion dollars. And oh, by the way, these companies and these joint ventures that he's entered into business with then go about the business of trying to acquire technology that's obviously been integral for American military and national security interests. And so I think anybody that buys Peter's book will find more examples of that. And I think they'll be quite shocking. Peter Schweitzer himself has said that the research and the investigative process that went into this book was, quote, the scariest of his career. So I think there's uh, quite a mm. few excellent revelations for readers of Red Handed, which hits stores this week. 
Yeah, we're going to get uh, Peter on the podcast to talk about the book in in detail. He'll be but, a much uh, better guest. Uh, well, he did write the book, <laughs> uh, but he is your colleague. And so uh, thanks for the preview. Um, so back to our, our subject about the media, and we were talking about Chuck Todd coming out and saying, you know, Biden's not seen as competent and effective, which is a keen grasp of the obvious if you look at the polling data. But, you know, um, I was also struck by it, it wasn't just Chuck at NBC that had this stunning moment of clarity about Joe Biden. Um, I was also flipping over to CBS's Face the Nation uh, and the host there, Margaret Brennan, appeared with this focus group of voters, which I thought was very interesting. Not a single one of them claimed that Americans are better off under Joe Biden. Uh, in fact, just the opposite. They, they call the state of the economy insane under Joe Biden. <laughs> uh, and they said he's listening to too many liberals. I immediately fell off my chair. Um, but that was a fair statement, wasn't it? Oh, I think it absolutely was a fair statement. I, I think you have to go back to, um, you know, what were the circumstances under which Joe Biden was elected? Remember, before the South Carolina primary, he was DOA. Some would argue he's still DOA, but just in a slightly <laughs> more animated form. But you know, it was James Clyburn, the South Carolina long-term, longtime member of Congress, that got up there and he was able to leverage his affiliation with Barack Obama and support from the African-American community that's significant in South Carolina and that sort of propelled him to a lead there and he's able to ride that momentum throughout the the rest of the campaign but i think the people that voted for joe biden weren't the the liberals that i think he now for whatever reason seems to be listening to the people that voted for joe biden were i think were centrists that were disaffected by the trump administration they thought this guy's the one guy that has an actual chance of beating joe biden and maybe he attracted some liberal support but more from a pragmatic rather than ideological standpoint and so I don't think it should be all that surprising to see that now that he's in office, Joe Biden, I mean, who who does he represent? What member of American society right. thinks Joe Biden, that's my guy? Because he's not the Bernie bro, progressive, Prius driver, triple mask at home inside his, his house. Uh, somebody that's moderate conservative doesn't like the embrace that Joe Biden's had with the teachers unions, for example, and the, the way that they lend credibility to helping keep schools closed in the midst of a COVID era. And we actually at the Government Accountability Institute had a report that came out about that just a couple of weeks ago with some significant findings about teachers unions that I could speak about. But I also think that, you know, we were told that under Joe Biden, that COVID would be fixed. And I think that's really what it comes down to. I mean, this is a brand this is a new phenomenon that has now in its second year is wrapping up its second year. And I think people are taking a look around and be like, everything we've been told has basically been wrong. I mean, the CDC offering guidance is like me playing Wordle. You know, you might get a couple of things in the right spot, but nothing really makes sense. <laughs> and by the sixth time, everybody thinks their turn should be over. And I think that's basically wh where we are on this. It's it, it just seems like they're guessing and it's contradictory and anybody that deigns to finally raise your hand and raise your head up and say, wait, that doesn't make any sense. Um, you know, it used to be they're shunned, but I think that's another key sea change. You're talking about the sea change taking place by members of the mainstream media. When Bill Maher, you know, a relatively well-regarded liberal, a Hollywood liberal, is willing to say that he's done with COVID and the mask policy doesn't make any sense. 
I think basically it's kind of like some of the race stuff. I mean, he got called out. Joe Biden did, as you noted in a previous podcast, by Al Sharpton of all people for like the things he was saying at this voting rights speech. He's like trying to take on this mantle of some civil rights leader, but like he's not really a civil rights leader. He's just an old white guy who hung out with a black president. Uh. And now he thinks he gets to say those things. So he's like performing this racial ideological wokeness. And I think we're all sort of performing this COVID uh, sensitivity. And I think people realize, I know this is all kind of not real and we're tired of it. Speaking of not real, Joe claims he, uh, you know, got arrested during a civil rights. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, how many Pinocchios is that one got? Like 25? Um, That sounds about as authentic as his hairline. Yeah. I remember when he got the plugs installed back in the uh, 70s, I think it was, the 80s. <laughs> Technology's um, evolved a long way since then. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he'd have a fuller head of hair if he, if he had the hair plugs today. Um, you mentioned the uh, Government Accountability Institute, your, your business, uh, came out with this report. Uh, And it concludes that teachers unions are promoting social activism, left wing causes, rewarding insiders. Yeah. Tell us more about this, Eric. Well, I think because this is another aspect of American life that I think speaks to the poll numbers that that you reference. I mean, Chuck Todd and members of the media, I think, are now willing to say what the liberals like to say is the quiet part out loud. They're willing to say that the Biden administration's not popular. And I think that's for a variety of reasons. COVID has negatively impacted people's lives and they don't seem to see a cogent policy coming from the administration. Everything costs more money because of inflation and the Fed, Federal Reserve has done a lot of things that have contributed to that. And oh, by the way, if they raise interest rates, that's actually only going to negatively impact America's debt because any increase in inflation rates adds, I think, a couple hundred million dollars to our annual debt payment. So it's not like that's an obvious solution either. But then you have so many parents, and I have children in school. I don't know about you, Greg, but my children have been in school and you know, luckily I live in Florida where Governor DeSantis has insisted that schools stay open. But I think you see a lot of frustration from parents that don't live in states like Florida over two reasons. Number one, they see schools being closed for what seemed like not great reasons. And then number two, they have concerns about the things that are being taught when the schools are open. And so one of the things that we did at the Government Accountability Institute is we did a deep dive into the teachers unions, the, the two prominent national entities that represent America's teachers, the American Federation of Teachers and the National Education Association. And one of the things that we found is over the last really kind of 12 years that the teachers unions have transformed their mission and their tactics. And I think what we discovered is things that speak to both the frustration about why schools are able to stay closed. And number two, frustration over what happens when those schools are actually open. Um, In the last 12 years, the American Teachers Union's political activism has increased dramatically. In 2012, one entity contributed $3.7 million in the 2012 presidential cycle. In 2020, they contributed up to $20 million. And 99% of that money went to Democrats. So that and another head of the NEA has admitted that teachers unions have evolved and their core function is no longer to represent things like health insurance and pensions and the things that the everyday American teachers should care about, I think does care about. They've they've admitted that their mission has evolved into social activism and political activism. So that, I think, speaks to why they had the political clout. I mean, remember this, Greg. When the CDC issued guidelines for what it looked like for schools to be open, 
who do we know got to help write those guidelines? Yeah, it the, was the teachers union. Yeah, Randy Weingarten, the head of the AFT. Um, when America's teach, when parents show up at school board meetings now and raise concerns over some of the things that are being taught, like critical race theory, like LGBT related They're issues. domestic terrorists, don't you it, know? Yeah, because oh, Eric, here, here comes on. DOJ, right? So, so how did we get to a place where um, America's teachers unions have access to two different branches? Because they have the money. That, they no, have the money and the influence and the lobbyists and they're powerful. That's exactly know? right. That's exactly that's, right. That's really the answer. By the way, I'm jealous you're in Florida. I'm in South Carolina hanging out with Representative James Clyburn. What part who, of South Carolina are you in? Uh, Hilton Head Island. Okay. Um, well, don't, but, don't, be, uh, don't be too jealous, Greg. Uh, yeah, it's actually pretty nice here. But, you know, people ask me, how did we end up with, with Biden? I, and I always have the same answer. Uh, James Clyburn. <laughs> I mean, when you get right down to it, uh, Biden was dead in the water. Uh, you know, having failed miserably in the first uh, couple of uh, primaries and caucuses. And it was Clyburn who resurrected Joe Biden. One percent Joe suddenly became 40 percent, 50 percent Joe. So, um, you know, send your angry uh, letters to uh, Representative <laughs> Clyburn. Um, let me get back to, to some of the media bias. And, and it, I mean, it, it's obvious. It's legendary. It's established fact. But their hypocrisy is really quite stunning because, you know, when and Fox News, by the way, has a has a story on this today. But when Republicans like Mitt Romney, John McCain voted against Donald Trump or his agenda, the media absolutely gushed over them as these heroic figures. Profiles and courage. Oh, yeah. yeah. Profiles and courage. You're right. But when Democrats like Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema uh, vote against uh, Joe Biden and his Build Back Better and, and vote against, uh, you know, the filibuster, you know, abolishing the filibuster. The media absolutely demonizes them. They're threats to democracy. You know, they're awful human beings, really over the top stuff. Is the media, Eric, do you think so blinded by their own bias that they, they can't even recognize that or or maybe they just don't care. Which is it? Yeah, I think it's probably both. And I mean, even the word blinded seems to be inadequate to describe the physical disability that um, that the media, I think, is performing on a regular basis. I mean, think about this, Greg. And we actually did a, a drill down podcast about this uh, about a month ago, if anybody wants to check it out. But remember when Donald Trump was basically Vladimir Putin's puppet and everything that Donald Trump did was because he was beholden to to Vladimir Putin, uh, somehow, some way, Putin helped Donald Trump get elected, or he was holding his right. debt and it, ba- you know, f- bailed him out financially. And then we had the Steele dossier, right? And then we had all this stuff. Oh my gosh! And and that was trumpeted from the mountaintops. And so, what we talked about is, so it was sort of stated as beholden fact that Donald Trump was in Putin's pocket. But right. now, look what's happening with Russia and Ukraine. And one of the things that the Biden administration staff had to walk back after that two-hour disaster of a press conference was, well, we're not going to be completely feckless if Russia decides to go into Ukraine. Well, we might do something. It'll be some well-coordinated economic sanctions. But the reality is, is that the same people in the Biden administration that help perpetuate what's proven to be falsehoods and lies about Donald Trump's relationship with Russia now work in the Biden administration, which couldn't be more, uh, you know, prone and fealty 
to the current Russian administration. So, oh the yeah, fact- they. I mean, they approved Nord Stream two. Absolutely. And so the fact you know, that- which gives enormous leverage. Putin has enormous leverage o- over Europe. Yeah, which administration actually made Putin stronger, right? The, the the Biden administration because of Nord Stream two because of giving now you know what we need to do with this guy that like we're not real sure about let's give him access to power for all of Western Europe let's see what right. ha- let's see what that does um, and so no that's exactly right so the fact that the media has yet to really comment on that in a meaningful way um, I think tells you everything you need to know about kind of what their perspective yeah. is and their willingness to to hold truth to account so to speak so the fact that they uh, <laughs> find Democrat senators who, for whatever reason, for their conscience or rule of law or you know tradition or whatever it is that don't go lockstep with the Biden administration, that they then are presented as not as profiles and courage, as you noted, Mitt Romney and others were, but instead as treasonous, traitorous and, um, you know, examples of what's wrong with America. That's it doesn't sh- it doesn't shock me. Yeah. You know, uh, Bill Clinton's first couple of years in office uh, were absolutely awful because he he was veering way too far to the left. Uh, And, you know, Hillary was kind of pushing him uh, in that direction, you know, with her health care plan, which was became a total embarrassment to her for the longest time. But, you know, say what you will about Bill. He, he was a smart guy, savvy politician. He takes a drubbing in the midterm elections. And, you know, so he suddenly has this cathartic uh, event. I, I need to pivot uh, to the center. And he did. And it worked. And, you know, many Americans came around uh, and it, his polling numbers improved immensely. But, you know, Erica, I don't see Joe Biden doing the same thing, mostly because he's not that smart and savvy. <laughs> but I think he's lost control of the Democratic Party. It's been totally hijacked uh, by, you know, radical progressives, Liz Warren, Bernie Sanders, AOC, the squad. I mean, if you look at Biden's appointments and the people that surround him running the White House— they're way outside the mainstream. In other words, there's no sane person there, Eric, who is going to say to Joe Biden, you know, the common sense truth. Hey, Mr. President, ain't working. Look at the polls. You need to pivot and change. I don't see that happening. Do you? No, I think you're absolutely right. And I guess the you know, the question I would ask is by what mechanism would he exert any control over the Democratic Party? I mean, you're absolutely right. He's lost it because, as I think you noted in a previous podcast, uh, he's got absolutely no political capital. I mean, it's like Joe Biden's going to a Maserati car dealership and they're like, yeah, you can like look from outside the lot, but we don't want you to touch anything. <laughs> I mean, my man does not have the bank account to get anything done from. I mean, he's he's struck out every time. Right. Can't do right. build back better. Can't do voting rights legislation. Uh, can't really do anything else that seems to matter. Can't can't get a functional and sensible covid policy. So why if you're a Democrat, like what good does it do you? to be beholden to whatever the Biden administration says they want to do. The poll numbers are terrible. Uh, He's got no meaningful legislative accomplishment to speak of. And they're about to lose the House and the Senate probably in about 10 months. So if I'm somebody, I'm going to be doing what I think my constituents want and what actually might be good for America. Because, yeah, unless there is some, you know, staff changes. And oh, oh, by the way, Greg, as you know, like as the case for reelection starts to look even less appealing, right. uh, 
that the people that are on his staff that actually are good at their jobs are going to bail. <laughs> so who's going to be left running the ship? It's going to be the, the C teamers. And I don't see it getting any better. Yeah, I don't either. Um, and I mean, look, people in the White House, many Democrats on the Hill, just about everybody in the mainstream media, they, they have become incredibly adept at making excuses uh, for Joe Biden, his chronic mistakes, his misjudgments, uh, you know, and their their constant excuses. Oh, it's only it's just the messaging. It's not his idea. His ideas are good. He's just not uh, giving the proper message. I happen to think that it, it's both. He's he's a terrible communicator. Um, but most Americans don't like his ideas. They don't like his agenda. It's too far left and they fault him really for failing to address um, the everyday issues that people really care about. Uh, you know, it's crime, it's inflation, it's energy prices, the pandemic, the border crisis. I don't see any evidence that he's going to take aggressive action on that front. Do you? Well, that actually may be where the media's uh, bias and clear willingness to have a double standard when it comes to Joe Biden versus the previous president, I think actually maybe hurts Joe Biden. Because like, let's look at what happened when he got caught on that hot mic saying the thing about Peter Ducey, right? Yeah. Um, you know, if Donald Trump had done that to anybody in the media, let alone a female like Yamiche Alcindor or somebody like that, I mean, he would have been called every name. He might have got impeached for a third time, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> But but Joe Biden's actually being celebrated. Oh, thank good. He's telling it like it is. That's my president. You know, he's willing to stand up and we're finally getting the real Joe. Um, Joe Biden, as it turns out, is not the only man in his late 70s that's willing to tell a dirty joke, as it turns out. You know, it's, that's yeah. not unique if you've ever hung out at an American Legion. So shocking. Um, but I but I think that he's not there's not a normal amount of pressure that would force him to have to reacclimate and readjust. And he's as he noted um, his polling numbers are just going to be ignored and dismissed. So I think the fact that the media is not holding him to a better account, actually, if you're not a fan of the Biden administration, might not be the worst thing. I mean, it might be frustrating yeah. from a viewer standpoint, but it it's removing that corrective pressure. Like I have children. If I never tell my children they're doing anything bad, then they're going to continue to wildly misbehave as they often do. <laughs> so, uh, so, so I think at some point you have to have this corrective pressure and that's, traditionally been one of the roles of the media. And if they're not doing that, then yeah, what what would motivate the Biden administration to get any better? Well, you know, and I, if you listen to Joe Biden or Jen Psaki as press secretary, I mean, they, their solution for what ails America and the economy and inflation is, ah, if only uh, Congress had passed my Build Back Better bill, um, that is... I, I, it's just plain stupid. Uh, ask any thoughtful economist. If you dump $5 trillion into the economy, that's going to drive up demand in the marketplace and only boost prices even more. That's, you know, Eric, that's fundamental economics. It's inflationary. Larry Summers, the former Treasury Secretary in the Clinton administration, warned as far back as February of last year that Biden's, you know, big spending trillion plus trillion plus trillion dollar agenda was only going to make inflation worse. And in fact, it did. You know, the, the two trillion dollar recovery package that was passed early last year when the economy was already recovering. Gee, good timing. 
um, is being blamed for a lot of today's inflation. If you throw another $5 trillion on top of that, you know, burning uh, fire, you know, the blaze is only going to get worse. Um, and now Biden wants to pass Build Back Better in pieces. Um, I don't see that happening. How do you handicap that? Yeah, I think that, um, I mean, ultimately it'll come down to what deal, if any, they're able to strike with these senators that have proven to be instrumental in terms of, you know, gatekeepers for the legislative process. And the one thing that Joe Manchin actually said, that the reason why he voted against Build Back Better was because of inflation, I think, concerns. And and I think it's important you take a big picture perspective on this. You know, in the Obama administration, the Federal Reserve performed basically three and a half centuries worth of monetary creation in three years, like an unprecedented infusion of wealth creation that went to these financial institutions. And so you look at what the Dow is at now versus what it was 12 years ago. I mean, of course, things are inflated, like everything's inflated. My, my 401k is inflated, right? Every, everybody's is, is up. Um, but what you're now seeing is for the average person, that's a big deal. And like mm-hmm. they have not seen this rise of the tide. My grandmother, who still ladders her CDs because she grew up in the Great Depression, is depressed because the amount of interest she gets from her, which she, is her preferred savings vehicle, is negligible. And so you've taken access to ascension in the American economy and you've removed it from a wide swath of people. So whether we pass Build Back Better in small steps, kind of who cares? Because the reality is that the American economy has been blown up on steroids and then launched to the moon. And the vast majority of the American people have been left on planet Earth and they cannot touch it. And that is a problem that I don't think Joe Biden will be able to solve in the next couple of years. And I think he's about to pay a very real political price, political price for it. I think you're absolutely right. Um, Eric Eggers, uh, thanks so much for joining me. Vice President of the Government Accountability Institute, co-host of the Drill Down podcast. Um, Come back sometime soon. You were terrific. Thank you. Well, that's very kind of you to say, Greg. It was my pleasure. And that's The Brief. I'm Greg Jarrett. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.